thankful for that, that word of God. It, it just, it's powerful. It, it, it's full. It's complete. And the longer I'm alive and the more I read it, the more I find that there is not an aspect of my life that the word of God does not cover. As we talked about on, on last Wednesday night, a word of God has some incredible uh, instruction on, on how we deal with our mental self and our emotional self. And uh, not that I can be a counselor or a, or a psychologist or anything of that nature. They have their place and I believe in those. But when you begin to read the Bible, you realize that there's a lot of things that people call mental, that, that they fight that really could be taken care of if they would read and follow the word. And that goes for myself included. And if you weren't here Wednesday night, I challenge you. Go to our website, go to our app, and you can listen or watch that service. And when we talked about the, the boundaries of your mind and the boundaries of your emotion. And, uh, but, but when you get into the word of God, I want to just take you to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, if you will. And then Isaiah chapter 61 which is going to be followed by Luke chapter 4. And uh, most of these you're going to remember or you're going to, it's going to come to your mind at least the gist of it. But in the book of Hebrews we get this one line that is so powerful. It says this, Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that with God there is no changing. With his power, there is no diminishing. There's no time frame that he's going to move and then not move later. God can still do what he has always done. And then let me just kind of tell you what God wants to do. In the book of Isaiah chapter 61, there is a prophecy that went forth. And it was a prophetic word about the ministry of Jesus Christ. This, this uh, uh, incarnation, if you will. This, this new a revelation to see God in a way that mankind had never seen God. Uh, I think it's what, just in, in about 13 uh, Fridays or something like that, that we'll have Christmas or it's something very, very close to that. And we'll celebrate that incarnation, we'll celebrate the, that, that nativity. And this is why Jesus came. This is why God became flesh and dwelt among us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then in Luke chapter 4, we find that Jesus goes to the tabernacle, or the temple, and he reads from the scroll, and he, he, he had pulled Isaiah, and this is what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal up the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to them that are blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Same thing that Isaiah prophesied. But watch it. Then Jesus closed the book. He gave it to the minister and he sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I mean, you, you want to know when prophecy is fulfilled? You can't get a better answer there. Prophesied in the book of Isaiah and then Jesus said, Today it's come to pass. 
That's what Jesus wants to do. And I want to preach to you Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you bow your heads and would you ask the Lord and his word to speak unto us right now. Father, we are so grateful and so thankful for your power and your presence in this place. From the worship that we have been able to lift up to you and to all of the things that have happened. God, I'm asking that it would have settled us and got us ready for the word and for the power that's therein. I'm asking right now that you would build the faith of everyone that's here and let your word go forth with power and with majesty. And Lord, would you let the miraculous be seen, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. I, I don't have a, a deep sermon today. Sometimes I get deep and we, we delve into the, the Bible and, and you know it's one of those teaching lessons. But today I simply want to do one thing. I want to help your faith, I want to build your faith so that whatever need you might be facing, you could just understand God still works miracles. And in doing so, and, and I, 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 we see these Bible verses, we see these Bible stories, and if you have been to any Sunday school in your life, surely somewhere in your Sunday school classes you learned about these Bible stories. We sing songs like, you know, uh, the Zacchaeus that climbed the tree. We, we talk about blind Bartimaeus and all of these great miracles. But it was uh, about a week or so ago that I was praying and, and these, these stories, and I, I use that. I know they're not stories. They're historical events. But for, for what I'm doing, these stories begin to flood in my mind. And as they flooded in my mind, as I'm prone to do, I, I could see them happening. Does anybody else have an imagination like that, that when you read uh, a story or the Word of God, you kind of have to play it out in your mind? And and I begin to play that out because I think that that as much as I enjoy living for God now, and to be honest, there's no greater time for revival and for what God wants to do in this world than right now. Uh, There's a lot of people and and, and we'll say, man, I wish I could go back to the good old days. And some of that is, is fun. But I will tell you that if Paul and Silas would have been able to have the the internet, if they would have been able to telecast their sermons, if they would have been able to get on an airplane and fly and be somewhere in just an hour or two rather than take three days, they would have gladly traded places with you and I. And we have an incredible opportunity right now to spread the gospel. But I do wish I could have walked along those shores of Galilee Walked there in Samaria, walked in Nazarene, in, 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 in uh, Nazareth, and, and Jerusalem, and seen God work. And so, at the risk of, of stepping outside of the Bible, I want to just kind of help some of those stories get fleshed out. And I don't believe that I'm going to tell you anything that goes against the Word of God, but I just want you to see that these were not events that that happened in the past that we have no connection to. But that these events that God touched are events that you and I and circumstances that you and I are going through right now and I want to to show you. In the book of Mark chapter 9, kind of an incredible little story is laid out. And and if you have your Bibles, and even I'll even be so kind today that if you have your phone, I'll let you look at your phone while I preach. If you promise, you'll only look at the Bible app and not ESPN or whatever else is going on. So please do that, and, and, and I'll let you do it. That way you can follow along with me. Because I'm not going to read all the verses. I don't have time to do that. 
But I want you to see the power that's in there. In the book of Mark, chapter 9, starting in verse 14, uh, Jesus had been doing some things kind of by himself. He had a few disciples with him. And he comes back to the other disciples, and there were nine. He had taken three, and there were nine left. And when he comes back, there's uh, these nine disciples, and there's a great crowd around them. And the scribes are questioning them. And even more than questioning them, I think that the scribes and those religious leaders at that time are kind of making fun of these nine disciples. And so Jesus walks by and, and, and he, he asks them, what is going on? And somebody in that great crowd says, well, Jesus, you know... Um, there, there, there's this guy that came with his son, and his son has a need, and, and, and they, they couldn't do it. And so Jesus stops, and he finds this man. The Bible does not say how old his son is. It does give later, it says, from his youth. So obviously some time had passed from that son being a child or a youth till now. He, he was able to kind of go back in the past and say, well, I know when it started. The man came to Jesus, and I want you to pay attention to this. He said, I've brought thee, my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now, that is not what you think it is. Some of you think other people have dumb spirits. That's not what we mean, okay? That's not at all. In the biblical sense, the word dumb means someone that cannot speak, someone that, that is mute. And later on in other places for uh, the book of Matthew, I believe it is, also records some of this uh, story. It says that he had a dumb and a deaf spirit. He, he was deaf and he could not speak. But I want you to realize right here that it was, it was the, the, the dad that, that kind of self-identified uh, what this young man had. Said it was a dumb spirit. He couldn't speak. And, and I don't want to diminish the miracle. And I, I promise you I'm not trying to do that. But I, I will want to speculate for a moment. I want you to, to notice that it was the dad who, who said, this is what my son has. Jesus necessarily didn't, didn't say that. And in those times where medical science is very limited, it would have been very easy to, to look at, at physical ailments and just automatically assume that, that there was a demonic influence going on. If you don't believe that, could I take you to the man that had the withered hand, I believe, or the lame man, rather. And they were arguing, they says, why is this man lame? Did his dad sin or did he sin? There was an understanding in that time and day and age that if you were sick, you angered God somehow and he zapped you and that's why you're sick. And so we have to be careful a little bit that not every sickness is of the devil. Not every sickness is a demonic possession. And so this guy, he said, I don't know why my son can't speak. It's a dumb spirit. But you see, I felt led today to show you this miracle, not to change the tenor of it, not to change the power of it, but to show you today in a different light. And I want you to see this not as a demonic influence or a demonic possession, but rather I want you to see how God can heal a spirit of infirmity. A sp when, when something in your body is not working right, this young man, many commentators says that this young man was an epileptic. And I want to show you how this, this, this dad goes. He says, you know, I, I take my son. He can't talk. He can't speak. And, and then there are times that whatever's inside of him begins to cause him to convulse. It begins to cause him to, the Bible says it teareth him and he foameth and he gnashes his teeth. 
and he pines away and, and, and he, he, he can't control himself. There's these things happening and God, Lord, I, I, I asked these, these nine disciples, I said, would you please uh, cast this out? Would you please heal them? And they could not do it. Of course, in the story, in, the, in, the, in, in this narrative, Jesus looks at those disciples and he said, oh, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How, how long should I suffer? Bring the child or bring the young man to me. And so they did. They brought that young man to Jesus. And there he looks at him. And as soon as, as that man gets into Jesus' presence, one of those fits begins to happen. He's just wallowing around and he falls to the ground and he is rolling back and forth. The Bible says he wallowed foaming. Jesus looks at the man and he said, how long has this been going on? And that man looks at Jesus and he says, well, of a child. This is not something that's happened just recently. Something took place and I think probably years have gone by and he has these fits and these seizures and I don't know what to do, Lord. In fact, there have been times that he has fallen into the fire. There have been times that he has fallen in the waters and it was going to destroy him. And Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on me. I don't know exactly how all this works. I have, I have met people that have had physical ailments. I've met people that have had seizures and epilepsy and things of that nature and, and their bodies begin to convulse and they don't want it to. And I can only imagine this boy, they're, they're cooking around their open fire. They didn't have stoves like we have back then. They would have cooked over an open fire. And I can imagine that boy, he's working. All of a sudden, that seizure hits him and he falls into the fire. And you can imagine the horror of that family. They pick him up. Maybe he had burns. Perhaps they were walking by the river and he has a seizure falls in the river and floats down before they can jump in this was a scary moment in the life of that family there are other commentators that have said that this casting in the fire and in the waters was a, 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 a suicidal tendency that perhaps this young man had gotten to the place where he was sick of living and, and, and he had tried to self-harm See, this is where it begins to mesh with, with this society that you and I live in. We live in a society where people have self-harmed before. But says of all of this, regardless of the reason, Jesus, if you can do anything, if you can't even heal him completely, but you can give him some good days, if you could do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus smiles, I believe, that wry smile, and he says, Well, if thou can believe, then all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway, that means immediately. Can you imagine this man in the presence of Jesus? He has dealt with this family situation for quite some time, and it has done all of this. There's, there's epileptic seizures. There's other things that have played on. And Jesus says, If you believe, all things are possible. And immediately that man screams out, then he stops and he says, but Lord, help my unbelief. What he means is, I, I believe that, that it's possible for you to heal him. But God, sometimes when this trial hits, I get a little down. And Lord, I need your help right now. And so when Jesus is watching all these people gathering, he rebukes that foul spirit, saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter into him no 
more. He began to convulse. Again, I don't think it was a convulsion of demonic uh, things, even though the Lord uses terms like that. If you begin to study it out and kind of read some of the original languages, you'll see that it's not necessarily saying that he was possessed of the devil, but that this this spirit of infirmity, this this disease that had racked his body, even as Jesus is, is calling out to heal him, he goes into another seizure, and then all of a sudden he just kind of, the Bible says he looks as if he's dead. Old people begin to cry. They begin to say, well, that was good. At least he's not having a seizure anymore, but he's dead. Thanks, Lord. Jesus reaches down and picks him up by the hand. And when he lifted him up, that young man arose. You say, why are you going through all this? Well, I just want to tell you right now that if God can heal an epileptic teenager, then I promise you, whatever you're going through right now, God is able to heal. I don't know why you're sick. I don't know how long you've been sick. There was a woman that had an issue of blood for 18 years. I don't know how long you've been dealing with the things that you've been dealing with. But I just was impressed one night as I knelt down to pray. I believe God just simply said, I want to show you, Brandon, that I can still do it today. What you only read about in the book of Acts and Mark and Luke and John. And so today, if you've been struggling with some physical ailments that doctors can't seem to fix, I believe Right now, Jesus wants you to know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And tonight, before this service is over, this morning, whatever it is, before this service is over, I believe he's going to stand at your life and he's going to say, if you can believe, you can do anything. Maybe you say, but I have believed before. Then simply lift your hand and say, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because he can do anything, anything. In the book of Acts, chapter 16 and verse 16. They had been having a, a, a revival with Lydia there in her town and, and, and kind of a church is even being birthed. And while Paul and Silas are walking around the town, the Bible says that it came to pass. They were going to pray probably at the, at the uh, synagogue. And there was a certain damsel with the spirit of divination that met them. The Bible says that their master, this, this lady's master, had, had made a lot of money by this spirit of divination that was in this young lady. Now, I absolutely believe in, in, in demonic possession. I believe that we wrestle against not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But can I just take this out of the mystical side of, of you know, if I started today and preached on demonic possession, there'd be a whole lot of you that get real uncomfortable. And I'm, I've learned it. I've, I'm there. I remember as a kid, you know, preachers start talking about demons they cast out and it'd scare me half to death. But as I grow older, I realize that those moments are few and far between. But what there is, and I want to show you, what there is, the spirit of divination and her masters had made much gain by soothsaying. You have heard both Brother Perryman and myself teach lessons on the, uh, the works of the flesh. And one of the works of the flesh that Paul begins to indicate is witchcraft. And you've heard me say it. If you haven't, let me, let me help you out for those of you that weren't here. The Greek word for witchcraft is pharmacia. Does that sound familiar? Pharmacy. What we called and, and what we look at witchcraft was not necessarily someone that the devil just jumped in and they begin to do all these hexes and stuff, but it, was, it, it had to do with drug abuse. 
they would take some sort of psychotic altering drug and then in that psychotic state they would see things and they would say things and, and they would, if you will, they'd allow themselves to enter into places you ought not enter into. And, and this, I want you to notice the connection of this woman with the spirit of divination and her masters. Okay, So they made money off of her. Can I tell you what that sounds like to me? And again, I, I don't see, I can't, you know, say this with 100% accuracy, but it's the way that I've been kind of directed. Let me tell you what that sounds to me like. A pimp and a prostitute. It sounds to me a little bit like human trafficking. We found a young lady that we can kind of help out. Maybe she had some mental health to begin with, but we can help her out. We can keep her under our control. We can feed her these drugs. She can do all of this, and we can make money off of her. Is that going on today? Absolutely. And, and so it's far more than just somebody that wanted to be, uh, uh, you know, it was more than just some fortune teller that enjoyed what she was doing. This was a lady captive by human trafficking, captive by, by drug abuse, captive, probably prostituted as well. And she's following Paul. And in her, her tormented mind and whatever is happening, she's calling out and she's, she's making fun of Paul. Even though what she says is true, it's a very uh, sarcastic and, and caustic way that she's speaking. She did it for days and days and days. And finally, Paul has just quite had enough. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16 and verse 18 that one day he just turned around. He was done messing with it. He turned around and he said unto that lady, he said, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her and whatever held her captive released her right then and right there in the name of Jesus. And the master saw that the hope of their gains were gone. They had no more control. Now, it made them mad. They threw Paul and Silas in prison. And you say, Pastor, what does that have to do with today? I don't think anybody here deals with this, but I'd just like to show you the depth of what God can do. God can heal people when they're involved in prostitution. God can heal people when they're involved in human trafficking. God can heal people that are addicted to drugs and have broken their minds and their mind is tormented and they can't see what way is up or down and they go to bed and they see things. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how many phone calls I have had as a youth pastor and a pastor. I can't tell you how many phone calls I get. And it usually happens at night. Somebody was on a pretty good trip or a pretty bad trip, however you want to look at it. I've had people call me and said, I'm seeing things. Can you come to my house and, and, and cast out demons? Can you? I, I'm petrified. I'm paranoid. I'm scared. It happens all of the time, not necessarily with people that go to this church, but people I'm connected to. And they'll call, and the first thing I ask them is, what did you smoke tonight? What did you take tonight? And they'll tell me. I just want to tell you today that this is not something new. This is not a new phenomenon that somehow the church has got to get involved in and, and how are we going to help it? I've got the answer for that as well. It's Jesus Christ and Paul and Silas saw it and it happened to them and I just want to tell you today, maybe you're here and you've done enough drugs to kill a horse and you see things at night and your mind is racked with pain and your, your mind is tormented and you're paranoid and you can't see what way is up or down. Today could be the day that you could simply let Jesus 
Jesus show up in your life and he would simply say not a 12 step program they have their place you don't have to detox that has his place but all Jesus has to do is say I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and every addiction in your life and every chemical dependency in your life will be broken by the power of Jesus name I'm not going to call you out, but today all you have to do, I could, I could show you four or five or six people in this church that God has delivered out of that drug culture, that God has delivered out of that prom, uh, promiscuity and that prostitution that deals with those drug cultures. God still delivers. God still delivers. Which is why I don't care how broken someone walks into this place. I know the God that heals. Well, maybe, maybe your prison is not drugs. Maybe your prison is not human trafficking. Maybe your prison is not that witchcraft. God still delivers. He says in, 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 in uh, uh, that prophecy of, of Isaiah, he said he sets the captives free. Right after he delivered that young lady out of that, 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 that human trafficking event and that, that spirit of divination and that, pharma, that, that drug abuse, Right after he delivered them, they threw Paul and Silas into jail. Now, Paul and Silas didn't do anything wrong. This is persecution now. They didn't deserve to be in that trial. They didn't deserve to be in that test. They had beat them. The Bible says they laid many stripes upon them. They cast them into prison, and they were there. They were in the inner prison. That means they were really locked up. Their feet were in stocks. But I still serve a God that knows how to deliver us from those situations as well. Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to sing praises unto the Lord and an earthquake begin to match the tempo of their song and whatever they were singing got a hold of something deep down in the earth and it began to shake and it began to move until every door in that prison sprang open on its own volition and I just want to tell you today that if God can deliver Paul and Silas from their persecution, if God can deliver Paul and Silas from their prison, he can still do that today. He can do it. It was, he healed the blind. He had different ways of healing. Sometimes he touched them. Sometimes he spoke to them. One time he even spit in the dirt and made some mud pies and stuck it on his eyes and told them to go wash. But I'd like to think that if he can heal blinded eyes, he can heal whatever need I have today. He opened deaf ears. He, he, he was even willing to go to the lepers that nobody else would go to. And he could speak to that leprosy and tell him, oh, just, just start walking back to the priest. By the time you get to the priest, you're going to notice something changes. And they begin to notice that those white spots and those cancerous sores on their body, they had begun to remove themselves and they were gone. Because if he can heal the blind, if he can heal the diseases, if he can heal the sicknesses, I promise he can heal you today. John chapter 4 tells the story of Jesus going to the well. It's about the sixth hour. It's kind of the middle of the day. And while he sits on that well, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. He's sitting there and he asks that lady, he says, I'm, I'm thirsty, could you give me something to drink? And he does, she, she's kind of confused. She says, first off, you're a man, why are you talking to me? That's kind of abnormal in that day and age. Number two, you're a Jew. Why would you dare talk to a Samaritan? You call us half-breeds. You call us, you know, all sorts of derogatory names. 
Not only that, you're a rabbi, and, and, and I know rabbis don't normally talk to ladies. What, what's going on? And Jesus looked at her and said, if you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who I was, and that I'm saying to you, give me to drink, you would ask because I can give you living water. That lady kind of laughed and said, well, if you can give me living water, how come you're asking me to give you a drink? You don't even have a bucket to jump in the well and drag some water up with. How is it you can give me living water? And she looks at him, or he looks at her and says, let me tell you, I'm not talking about what's in Jacob's well. I'm talking about living water that you can drink and never thirst again. Water that can be in you an everlasting well springing into everlasting life. And this gets this woman excited. Now, she's still walking in the natural. She says, seriously, you can give me indoor plumbing and running water and I don't ever have to come to this well? I mean, it's just going to be I turn on the faucet and it's there? That's really what she said. She thought she, Jesus was talking about everlasting water that she wouldn't have to come and you know, throw that bucket 100 feet down in that well because they were deep back then and pull it up and have to carry it all in. And Jesus said, no, I'm talking about your soul. In fact, Jesus looks at her and says, uh... Why don't you go tell your husband to come here? The woman hangs her head and says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, I know. I know you've had five husbands. And the one in whom you are living with now is not your husband. Of course, this makes that woman say you're a prophet. Anyway, Jesus begins to talk to her. And finally, she goes. And she goes in the city. And you heard me preach about it. She brings the whole city out. And there's a great revival. But this is what... And I had my eyes closed and just kind of dwelling over this. This is what I kind of begin to realize. Again, maybe I'm reading too much in this, but I don't believe so. Five husbands living with another one that's not married. I'd kind of, I don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say that this woman's life was not rosy. Now, now maybe, just maybe, all five of her husbands had died a natural death. And, and maybe she was just one of those poor ladies and, and, and kind of cursed in that department. But I, I don't believe that's it. Because she's living with a woman that's not her husband. So it's not, I, I think there's some sin going on. Perhaps there had been some abuse. Perhaps there had been some hurt. Pretty calm. You know, women didn't rate high on the scale back in those days. There was a lot of male chauvinistic views that took place. I'm, I'm kind of convinced that the relationships that she had gotten into was not what she had hoped them to be. Those, those dreams that she had as a baby, those dreams of a beautiful wedding and a fairy tale and, and everything being perfect after five husbands and living with another one, she had realized that this was not all it was cracked up to be. What horrors had she had endured? What broken homes did she get? But yet in the middle of that, there was a Jesus that said, I don't care who you are, and I don't care what you've gone through, and I don't care how bad your life may be. I'm willing to spend a moment and talk to you. Sounds like today. Sounds like today where abuse runs rampant. We don't like to talk about these things. I kind of like to pretend that everything's perfect. I like to see things with those rose-colored glasses. The longer I'm alive and the more people that walk through these doors, I realize the burdens they carry. I realize the abuse that mankind is capable of inflicting on others. 
just makes my head hurt to see what those have gone through. But right now, there's a Jesus that's just patiently sitting at a well. Not waiting for the rich man of the town that's going to give a lot of alms and give a lot of tithes. He's not waiting for the smart one, the, the, you know, the, the intellectual one where they can sit and have a discussion. Jesus, that, that entire journey, the Bible says Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. Jesus went through Samaria for one purpose. A forgotten, abused, washed up, used up woman that probably thought nobody cares. And in that town, probably true. There, there's so many biblical historians that tell you that you went to the well to draw your water in the morning. Because everything you needed that day, you had to have. You, you couldn't just turn on your faucet. If you were going to cook some oatmeal, you would have had to have got, gathered water at some point before that. If you were going to wash clothes, if you needed a drink of water. So it was custom and it was, it was protocol that the woman would go to the, the well early in the morning and draw enough water for their household that day. The historians, the historians will teach and, and they, will, they will tell you that probably the reason she went at noon was because she didn't want to talk to anybody because she was ashamed, she was embarrassed, nobody understood what she was going through, nobody could, 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 could fathom the hurt that she had been through and so she became a loner, she existed by herself and she certainly didn't want to talk to another guy at a well. But Jesus was there and he spoke to her and even though he knew everything about her, he still said, I've come to give you life everlasting. Just a few weeks ago, we preached on David and we, we exegeted out Psalms chapter 51, that incredible prayer of repentance. And I, I'm not going to preach it again, but let me just remind you that David was a murderer. David was a liar. David was an adulterer. David was a sinner. But yet one of the greatest statements about David's life was not the remembering of his sin but rather God said he's a man after mine own heart that as bad as David could be God still loves the sinner I mean I want you to comprehend that I want you to wrap your mind around that that forgiveness is still available for you it doesn't matter how far you go He said, I'll comfort those that mourn. I'll give them the oil of joy for mourning. I'll give them beauty for ashes. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I could go on and on, but I, I don't have any more time. I could introduce you to Zacchaeus. You know, the little man that climbed up the sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. He was a tax collector. And we hate tax collectors now. I'm going to tell you back then, they really hated tax collectors because they were cheats. Because tax collectors back then got paid on how much they, they got in. They got a percentage of it, what, what, what I've learned. And so if I could kind of cheat the weights, Brother Justin, and, and I could make you pay just a little bit more taxes, you wouldn't realize it. How many of you have gotten a, uh, 
How many of you have gotten one of those receipts from a, from a, 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 a restaurant? And on the bottom, it, it has it already broken down that this is what 10% gratuity is. This is what 20%. You, you've gotten that before? And that's cool. It helps. But there's a lawsuit going on right now for, for several restaurants. And I don't know which one, so just take this as a general warning. There's several restaurants that kind of cheated the system. And they put 10%, but they didn't put 10% as the monetary amount. They kind of fudged the numbers a little bit. Well... They were banking that a great majority of people don't really crunch the numbers in their head. They just go by what the bottom of the receipt says. And so there were people that thought they were paying 10% gratuity that really were paying 12 or 13%. And there's a big lawsuit going on because they cheated. You, you see how that is? A dollar doesn't mean a lot. I mean, it does for me, but you know, for that restaurant. But you do that enough times, it adds up. That's how those tax collectors were. Zacchaeus was a horrid sinner. But Jesus stopped under that tree he said, hey, come down here. I want to go spend some time with you because God loves the sinner. What about Samson? I mean, Samson was, for, for all practical purposes, and, and j- just so I can keep the narrative going along, Samson was saved. Samson was part of God's chosen people. God, in fact, not only were you an Israelite, but I'm going to make you a Nazarite. I'm going I'm to do something great in your life. For, for practical purposes, Samson should have been a preacher. That, that's really, he was a judge. He, God had called him for ministry. Samson was a sex addict. And, and Samson backslid so bad that he just kind of gave up on everything. And this backslidden sex addict, in the middle of his worst nightmare, no eyes being put, his eyes were poked out. He's in the jail and the prison grinding corn of the ones that he used to beat up, the Philistines. That backslidden preacher started praying. And God said, I hear your prayer. Samson walked out in his last act. The Bible says that last act was greater than any other act he had done in his life. And so what I want to tell you is not only does God love the sinner, but God loves the backslider. That it don't matter how bad you think you've been, how far from God you've ran, that's how much God loves you. See, sometimes we got to quit looking at the Bible as some, you know, staid and, 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 and just kind of clinical book. I want you to see the personalities. I want you to feel the emotions. I want you to understand the depths that God goes. But maybe you're here today and you're not a bad old sinner like Zacchaeus. And maybe you're not a backslidden preacher like Samson. Maybe you're a Cornelius. You're a devout spiritual man that prays and gives. I haven't even seen any sin that Cornelius did. I know he did. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God says, I'm not just for the old dirty, rotten, bum sinner. I'm not only for the backsliders. I'm for the spiritual people that still need me because they've not truly been saved. They're doing everything that they know to do is right. Oh, they go to church and they pay their tithes and, and they're there, but, but they still need the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter, wake up and go to Cornelius' house. I got a word for that devout man. I want you to tell him about the Holy Ghost. 
I want you to tell them about baptism in Jesus' name. I want you to tell them that it doesn't matter how much you pray. There's still a salvation that you can get. I'm just trying to show you, saint of God. I'm trying to show you the gamut that God is ready to heal and, and touch the sinner. And God is ready to bring back the backslider. And God is ready to touch the devout spiritual man who loved God and was not saved. I hope somewhere in this, you've heard your situation. Or at least something similar to your situation. Because I just want to tell you one more time. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your circumstance is not new to God. And it's not even new to the record of the Bible. It happened and it has happened throughout the ages. And the power of God has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to stand right now. With every eye closed, I'm not going to ask you necessarily to raise your hand. I'm not going to give you any opportunity uh, to, to make some sort of a bold moves that, that someone can look at and say, oh, that's, what they're, that's not what I'm talking about right now. But I want you to just look at your life and I want you to say you, you've got to come to, to grips with what you're going through. And, and if there is a, a, a circumstance or situation in your life that, that you want God to touch I want you to tell it to Him right now. It can be under your breath. It can, it, it can be just in your mind. But, but I, need you to, I need you to formulate that, that, that phrase. I, I need you to be willing to say it. I need you to be willing to own up to it. Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I've got a sickness. Lord, I've been fighting this ailment for a while. Lord, I've been abused. Lord, I've been tormented. Lord, I've been, been in captivity. I, Lord, I've backslidden. Lord, I, I just simply need you. I need you to formulate. I need you to speak that to Jesus right now. The Bible says cast your cares on him. The Bible says that you need to make your petitions known. The Bible speaks and says that, that we need to give Him the, or, or, or the desires of our heart. So however you vision that, I need you to tell Him what it is you need Him to do. If you've done that, then listen to the words of your pastor. Jesus is telling you, I can still do it today. The need that you just enunciated, the need that you just spoke of. He says, I've been, I've, been, I've been helping build your faith all service long. And I can do it right now for you. I've covered the gamut of so many things. And there's things I didn't even get a chance to talk about. There's needs and situations and sicknesses and ailments and circumstances and trials and temptations and sin. There's a lot of that. I, I could have kept going. But what I want to do is I want to open these altars. Because every one of us probably has a need we need God to meet. And I want to invite you from the front to the back, from every side, I want you to just begin to flood these altars. And as you do, I want you to just begin to call on the one who is able to do, as, we, as Brother Justin mentioned at the beginning of the service, we're going to call on the one that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And right now, your miracle is here. Would you come in Jesus' name? Would you come in Jesus' name?